You guys, you guys can have a seat. Thank you um, for for standing with me there for a moment. Um, and Caroline, Stephen, and John, thank you for leading us this morning. Um, we uh, we want to be led to Him, to His cross, to His His Word. Uh, we want to be led to that every week. We want that to be a weekly experience so that then in turn, maybe for all of us, it could become a daily experience, a moment-by-moment experience. And so I, I hope that we would all pray, lead me to the cross um, every moment of, of every day. Um, we're continuing in our series called Fig No More. And uh, some of you maybe that haven't been around for the last couple of weeks or uh, maybe you're a first-time guest with us today, and welcome, by the way. I uh, saw a lot of uh, newish faces this morning, so uh, really, really glad that you're here. Um, I'm going to explain a little bit in a second about what Fig No More means, but I wanted to, to let you know that, uh, that this morning I'm going to give a little bit of a disclaimer because uh, of the nature of the content that we're going to be dealing with this morning. Um, I'm not able to go this morning as deep into this, uh, as specific into this, as I I'm maybe would if we were just a group of adults. Um, and, and maybe even, I mean, even middle school and high school. I, I worked with middle school and high school for about 10 years before helping start this church. So, you know, we, we would go there on this subject with them pretty pretty explicitly because they were getting it pretty explicitly at school. So, but the issue for us is that we have kids ministry for up through first grade. So we've got some wonderful uh, elementary students uh, that would be in here with us. Um, and and I, I wanted to just give a disclaimer that, that you may think, man, he kind of he didn't take us as far or specific as maybe he could have or would have. Um, we'll have opportunities in years to come um, and months to come um, to be able to do that. But this morning, I, I'm going to speak somewhat in some, in some gen- generalities, generalizations. Um, so bear with me. Um, but uh, I just wanted to give that disclaimer uh, before we start. And the issue that we're going to be talking about, that, that Jesus really talked about in, our, in the next portion of our text, is an issue that, that, that I know. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to guess. I don't have to try to, to think, I wonder how, where everybody stands on this sort of thing. I don't have to guess. I know that this issue has definitely been an issue that has is or will affect every single person in this building, including the ones in the room back there. It's affecting one of them right now. (laughs) Um, But even including the little ones, this is something that has, is, or will affect every single person. Now, there are other things that we could say that about, but I think this is one that we can say that about for sure. I can tell you that from the age of 12, after opening a certain magazine, this issue affected me for the rest of my life. You going there with me? And so what I want us to do this morning is maybe at least begin to scratch the surface of an issue that is something that we don't really enjoy talking about. 
Now, George is going to deal with some things next week that we might like to talk about less, but this is definitely at the top of the list uh, or the top five things that we're just, we'd rather not go there, right? But we have to go there. And the reason we have to go there, you could say, well, it's because of the ramifications of this issue. It's because of the moral, uh, moral things that, that are connected to this issue. It's, it's because of the, the fact that there's relational things that are broken down because of this issue. All those are good reasons. What's the main reason why we have to go there? Here's the main reason at renovation why we have to go there. Because we believe that this is the infallible, perfect, holy word of God. And guess who went there? Jesus went there. And so we have to go there, right? That's one reason why uh, George specifically pushed for this early on, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm right there with him. One reason that we like to preach right straight through chunks of Scripture, because it forces us to deal with things that if we were just going through topics and hitting topics and us kind of choosing and deciding what we were going to talk about, we might never go there. But Jesus wants us to go there, so we're going to go there. Matthew 5, 27-30. We're talking about the concept of lust this morning. And I want to give you, you've got a handout, you can fill in the blanks. I want to give you a definition. This is like the Webster's definition of lust, okay? A passionate or overmastering desire or craving. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time of explaining what lust is because all of us have probably looked it right in the face. So we don't have to sit around defining it because we know it, right? It's personal. But that's what Webster says that lust is. Here's the big idea for this morning. This is, this is kind of summing up. Um, I, I kind of like to give you a big idea before we even jump into it, because I want you to be looking for this big idea as we go through uh, our time this morning. Here's the big idea. Lust begins with our eyes is entertained in our minds and infects our hearts. Begins with our eyes, entertained in our minds, infects our hearts. Make sense? You see it, you have a choice. But it begins right there. Do I entertain this or do I not? Boom. I've decided I'm going to entertain this thought. It goes into my mind. I entertain it for a little while then from there it begins to seep down into my heart and infect it with sin. Pretty simple concept, right? We're going to see it play out in this text. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 5, 27. And if you don't, we'll have it up on the screen. And if you don't have a Bible, we have a few Bibles here. Uh, we'd love to give you one. If you don't have one that, that you like to read, that's easy to read, um, it's kind of in our modern-day language, feel free to, to grab one um, either now or afterwards, but it'll be up on the screen for now. Verse 27. This is something that we've heard the last couple of weeks, okay? He's going to say it again. You have heard, this is Jesus talking, you have heard that it was said... So here's what he's about to say. Jesus is again revealing another fig, right? Now, now you may say, what in the fig are you talking about? All right, but here's, here's the point. The point is, Karen talked to us at the end of our Paradox series a few weeks ago. She talked to us about this concept of law, 
All right? And how Jesus didn't come to just say, hey, the law stinks, just throw it out. He came to say, hey, guess what? Here's the law. You can't do it. I'm going to fulfill the law. All right? I'm going to be like the completion, the beautiful completion, the beautiful um, sort, of, uh, sort of last sentence of the law that's going to just, boom, make it all make sense. With this word of grace that comes out, this undeserved, this undeserved favor. And the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time, they had done a really, really super job of um, kind of legalizing or religio- religiizing. I just made that up, so uh, that's free. You don't have to pay for that one. Um, re- religiizing um, the law. They had, they had boiled it down to these little teensy, teensy, weensy things that you had to do. This was, this was acceptable. We're going to mark this off. We're going to mark this off. We're going to mark this off. I'm keeping this. I'm keeping this. Well, one of, the things was, one of the things in the law was that you don't work on the Sabbath. So the religious leader said, well, what's work? Kind of like what does is mean, right? You know, what, what is work? How do we define that? Well, they decided that you couldn't hold anything, uh, anything more than the, about the, the size of a fig in your hand and it be considered work, okay? So you could carry that little fig on the Sabbath, but that was going to be about it. So Jesus is say, now saying he's now just ripping apart all these figs because we're going, hey, you know what? I, I, I have, I'm, I'm keeping this part. I'm doing this, so I'm okay. I'm holding this fig, but I'm not going overboard, right? We talked uh, the last couple of weeks, George talked last week, and I even talked the week before, of the concept, I never killed anybody, right? And give me a break. I'm good, I'm holding the fig, everything's cool. And Jesus is going to come along and go, yeah, that's not going to work. So here he goes again. You've heard that it was said, going, you've heard about this fig. You can hold this fig. Well, here's the fig. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And adultery really here just illustrates the idea um, of, uh, of sexual intimacy outside of, of a marriage covenant. Okay? He's saying, you've heard that it was said not to commit adultery. And everybody's going, yes, we did. Finally, one I hadn't done. You know, maybe some of them have, but there's a pretty good percentage of folks probably there listening that would go, hadn't done that one. Man, he really messed us up on this murder thing, you know, because he said we can't hate people. I've done that. I thought I was, but this adultery thing, I hadn't done that. I'm good. I haven't done that. And so Jesus again is going to attack that fig. And here it goes. And imagine, just imagine being there hearing this, right? I mean, imagine sitting there and, and everything you had ever thought was just being flipped upside down. He's going, you've heard it said not to, not to murder. Well, I'm saying if you've harbored hate in your heart, you've already killed them. Excuse me? And you've heard that it was said do not commit adultery. And they're going, please don't let there be a bud after this one. I can't handle a bud after this one. Please. And Jesus says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ouch! And girls are not off the hook. I think it's very safe to say we could flip that around. All right. All right. So don't don't feel like, see guys, Jesus is talking to you. No, he's talking to all of us. All right? 
He says, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman... Now, I want you to look at our big idea statement for a second, okay? And I want you to look at it in light of verse 28. He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman, lust begins with our eyes, right? Big idea statement. Looks at a woman or looks at a man, all right? Lust is an equal opportunity uh, offering, right? Lustfully, that's the entertaining in our minds, because it didn't stop there. Anyone who looks at a woman, well, that's not the problem, because I'm looking at women right now, all right? And you're all lovely women, by the way, I might have. But anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, that's where it begins to be entertained in the mind, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It infects our hearts. Now, like George said last week, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but George said last week, if any of you have not harbored ill will or hate in your heart, I would like to meet you after the service. If any of you have not ever had lust in your heart, I would like to meet you after the service. Now, there might be some of our young ones that I could shake their hand. All right? But I hate to inform you that's going to change soon. Right? So this is an issue that we all have to deal with. All right? Then he says in verses 29 through 30, this is where it gets just nasty, right? Like, what are you, Jesus, what are you... What are you talking about? He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. <laughs> That's weird. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now here's, here's the thing. Is Jesus saying, literally gouge your eye out and cut off your hand? Maybe. I mean, I, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm, I'm really, I don't want to push completely back off of that, okay? I think the point there is, I'm not saying that, that he's telling us now that we need to go out and start, you know, we're going to have an eye-removing ceremony in the, in the back lot. That, that's, not, that's not the point. But I do think what he's saying is that this pursuit of, of purity has to be radical. It has to be something that you're willing to sacrifice for, not to prove to him that you love him. It's not like, I'm going to give my right eye for Jesus. You know, that's not what we're talking about. What he's saying is, you have, this stuff is serious business. This can wreck you quick. And so if you've got something in your life that's causing you to mess up, get rid of it. It's better to lose that thing that may be good or may be bad, but might be good. Eyes are good. I like my eyes. I like my hands. But it's better to lose those things than to lose what you risk, what you potentially could risk losing if you continue down that path. Does that make sense? So Jesus is telling us here that there are actions that we must be willing to put into practice in order to not allow lust to creep in. He's saying, this, is really, this really kind of gets down to being kind of practical. Because it starts on the outside, right? 
It starts out here, but it eventually begins to destroy us inside. So we have to do these outside things in order to prevent. He lets us know that ultimately lust, like any other sin, is a matter of the heart, but there are practices and habits in our lives that will put us in a position to be successful at not being mastered by it. There's going to be some practices. There's going to be some, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to allow this to happen. There's certain things that we can build into our lives that we could sort of metaphorically compare to gouging out our right eye or our right hand or whatever, right? We can sort of metaphorically compare those things to, to that, and he's saying it's, it's got to be worth that, right? Because it happens out here. And so it's, it's sort of like you go, you know, we, we don't ask the question, you know, for instance, think about in a relationship. I'll think about in my relationship with Caroline. I wouldn't say, I mean, this is, a, this is absurd. I wouldn't go to her and say, okay, baby, um, how far can I go with another woman before you consider it like a problem? <laughs> right? Is that not crazy? I mean, she would kick me in the, in the place that gives us the problems in this text. All right? So here's the thing. <laughs> Some of you got that. The rest of you will get it on the way home. Um, here, here's the thing. It's just as absurd to go to God and go, how close can I get to lust without it still being lust? I mean, and, and, and I hate to use these analogies because I know you maybe get sick of me using these, but, but with teenagers, and we've got some teenagers in here, which is fantastic. Um, with teenagers, a lot of the questions they always ask you know, us is, how far is too far, right? How far is too far, okay? When I think the question should be, how far away can I get because it's a relationship, right? I mean, we're, we're not talking about like a checklist of things like, hey, you know, here, this, is, this is okay, this is okay. Think about your relationships. Think about your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife. You don't say, how far can I go? You say, how much can I honor you? How, how much can I treat you with the respect and love that, that you deserve? How, how far away can I stay from ever compromising this relationship? Right? When it's religion, it's how far can I go? When it's a relationship, it's how far can I stay away because, man, I love you. Right? That's the, that's the heart switch that has to begin to happen that Jesus is, is ultimately talking about. Nobody said it was easy, but that's the heart switch. Here, here's the thing, though. I, I've got the feeling that when we begin to talk about lust, we, we do live in a culture where it is just not even, like, debated, right? I mean, it's like, it's just you do it, right? I mean, I remember telling someone, um, and I made plenty of mistakes. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, most of mine, unfortunately, were uh, behind closed doors. Uh, and and I, was, I made a lot of mistakes I kept the purity thing in my relationships, but I kept some secret stuff um, that, that, I, that I've since dealt with and let out and, um, and, and have, have done the right things to, to make right. But I've made plenty of mistakes, but I was sharing with someone uh, at work 
Um, and there's like 30 employees at Starbucks, so don't try to figure out who it was. Um, but uh, I was sh- it's no one in here. All right, I'll just throw this out there. Um, I was sharing with someone at work uh, that, that I actually did not sleep with a woman until my wedding night, okay? And, uh, and that woman was Caroline, in case you were trying to figure that out. Um, <laughs> um, that's good, right? I don't know what's worse, doing it before your wedding night or then doing it on your wedding night with another person. Um, but uh, with Caroline on my wedding night, okay, was the first time I had slept with a woman. Um, and this individual literally almost fell over onto the floor dying, all right? Not laughing at me. It wasn't like a making fun thing, but like, I didn't know that existed. You're like a, an alien from another planet. You know, I mean, it was like this, this you know, they, they, you know, just this individual was looking at me like, that's so strange. Like, I, that's, it wasn't funny. It wasn't like it, they were making fun of me. It was just so unusual, right? And one thing we're not about at renovation is coming up here and the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And we, you know, that's not, that's not my point. My point is just, I understand this is so like, this is like me talking in a different language in the context of our culture, because it's not something that's even, I mean, you don't even sit around and go, you know, I just, I'm really struggling with lust. What? Like, that doesn't make any sense in our culture. So, so I want to just go ahead and say, guess what? Maybe I need to take a, a couple seconds and say, so what? Right? I mean, what's the big deal about this? I mean, it's not a big deal as long as I'm not hurting anyone. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's just, just, it's no big deal. It's, and you, some of you might say, well, it's no big deal. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not married. Who cares? It's not a big deal. Or maybe I am married, but, you know, I'm, I'm not physically cheating on my spouse. It's all in my mind. So what, it's not hurting anybody. What's the big deal? And so I think we have to push back. We can't assume in today's culture, or any, any culture really, we can't assume that it just is understood that this is a bad thing, right? We just can't assume that. So let's take a second to go, so what's the big deal? Is there more to the command not to lust than just God wanting us to be careful? You know what I mean when I say be careful? Okay, I don't have to spell that out. Careful, all right? Is there more to the command than God just wanting us to be careful, or God just not wanting us to have too much fun. I mean, let's be honest. We have that in the back of our minds. Sometimes we still go, I just think he doesn't like fun. Because I've done this, and it's pretty fun. And he just doesn't want me to have fun. Right? Don't we think that sometimes? Aren't we guilty of that fault? I, I, I can be. I mean, I think, we're, I think we are. Here's, here's some of the, the, why is it the big deal? Number one. The highest calling of marriage is to be a reflection of Jesus' relationship with His people. That's the highest calling of marriage. Now, I'm, I'm not going so far as to say that's the only calling of marriage. I think marriage, obviously, part of it is part of, and doesn't mean everyone that's married has to do this, don't get me wrong, but if we didn't get married and have kids, then we would eventually just die off. So having children is one of those beautiful things that we are asked to do, um, doesn't mean if you're married you have to have kids, but just that's part of it. Um, but I also think I think we've we've we need to also admit marriage is also for fun, right? It's it's fun to be married. It's fun to have a companion. It's fun to have a best friend who you also you know get to be married to, 
right? I mean, that's, that's, that's part of it too. But the highest calling of marriage is to be a reflection of Jesus' relationship with, with His people. The Bible refers to Jesus as a groom, all right? And refers to the church. And I don't just mean renovation church. I mean the whole church. Everyone who, 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 has, who has given their lives to Jesus Christ is part of the church, okay? The universal big church, all right? Across the, across the world, the church. Calls that church his bride. So Jesus is compared to a groom. The church is compared to a bride. And Jesus came to earth. Now catch this. Jesus came to earth as a human for his people. He loved the unlovable. He was brutally beaten for his people. He died for his people. He came back to life for his people. And he continues to pursue his people every day since. This is an unbelievable example of commitment. He has never wavered from pursuing a relationship with us. He's never been distracted. And He wants us to be committed in mind and body to our spouses just as He is committed to us even to the point of His own death. So that commitment in mind, body, I mean, he get, is, did he not give it all? I mean, let's just think, he gave it all. And he wants that relationship with us. So that's the first reason why it's a big deal. Because that relationship that we have, husband and wife, is supposed to be a reflection of that. Does it mean that we all perfectly do that? Of course not, I don't. But that's our goal. That's, that's the standard. That's why it's a big deal. Secondly, because some of you may say, whew, good, not married, good to go. Some of you might say, hey, great, never been married, never going to be married. So glad they have to worry about that, but not so much me. Well, here's the thing. Here's another reason it's a big deal, because sex is like a fire. It's like a fire, right? I mean, we, we compare passion to fire at times, right? I mean, we, we think of that that concept. And I want you to think about this. A fire can be very comforting and warm or it can be destructive and deadly. In a fireplace, like the one that we have on the screen, a fire is a source of comfort on a cold night. Right? It's, it's held within the confines of that fireplace. It's beautiful. I mean, it, it's, it's lovely to look at. It's great to be warmed up by. It's great, you know, I mean, there's nothing better, right, than a, a winter night you know, eating some popcorn, watching a movie, the fireplace is keeping you warm. That's a nice image, right? That's a pleasant type of image. But if that fire begins to drip outside of that fireplace into the rest of that house, that is not going to be a positive thing. You begin to see destruction devastation, and, and even very possibly death. This is how lust works, whether you're married or single. Lust is like the first little ember from the fire that is thrown out of the fireplace onto the rug in the living room. And you go, not a big deal. But the problem is, after it singes a little bit of the carpet, and we don't do anything about it, more fire begins 
to pour out of the fireplace. And before long, the whole house has gone up in flames. The marriage has gone up in flames. The relationship has gone up in flames. Your mind, guys, I know, I know, hear me on this, okay? I know the draw of what we look at. In our context, I'm not going to go into the word of what that is, but you know what I'm talking about, right? The things that we look at, maybe computer, maybe magazine, maybe whatever, the things we look at, you go, I'm not married, or I'm married, but it doesn't affect anything. Guess what it affects? It affects you. Because you begin in your mind to believe things about women that simply aren't real. Women, I don't think you're immune to this. Same, same thing. And it begins to affect your relationships. So what now? Jesus gives us some, some practical things. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. He's telling us to take practical steps to not allow lust to take control. Here's, here's a few practical things. Here's a few eye gouging, hand cutting off kind of things. Okay, First of all, ladies and gents, both, doesn't matter. Avoid the second look. Avoid the second look. The, the, there's nothing wrong with appreciating beauty. All right, There's nothing wrong with going, hmm, attractive person. And moving on. When it begins to be a problem is when you go, hmm, attractive person. Hmm. 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 Right? That's where the problem comes in. It's not going, oh, you're so lovely. It's, oh, you, oh, you're so lovely. You know, like, <laughs> that's where we begin to see the problem. So avoid the second look. There's a difference between appreciating beauty and double taking, Right? So avoid that. Number two, and this is probably one of the harder ones. The, the third one is probably most difficult. Make a difficult environmental, make difficult environmental adjustments if needed. Now here's, here's, here's what I mean by that. If you go, you know what, I, and, I, and I'm just going to shoot you straight, guys. Those of you that are parents, if you have, if I'm just, please, this is just Walt, not the Bible, okay? So just hear me on this. If you have a kid and they have a TV or internet in their bedroom, you're just asking for it. You're just asking for it. I mean, you are not helping them gouge out their eyes and cut off their hands. You are putting them right in that path. So I'm, I'm just, just take it for what it is. Don't be mad at me. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you, okay? Um, some of you might need to make some adjustments with how you view the computer. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's just, this is just, we're just talking practical here, right? This is just practical stuff. This is, hey, cut the hand off, right? Um, some of you might need to do that. Ladies, here, here I'm going to throw this out there. And, and this can be guys too, but I think this is more ladies, kind of like the physical thing might be majority men, but still some ladies. This is probably majority women, but still maybe some men. I, I think there's something out there um, that is not necessarily physical, but is emotional 
And I think, I mean, I'm just, I'm not attacking this movie. I've actually seen the movie. I, I think it's a good movie. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying your decision and your family is how you need to decide about what you watch movie-wise. But I think the, the Twilight craze was a great example of what I'm talking about, where you've got these, please don't be offended if you've done this, okay? So I just, I love you. Please come back next week. Um, <laughs> but, um, but you've got these 30, 35, 40-year-old women getting together on Friday night to sit around and watch this you know, 16-year-old boy on this Twilight movie. I don't get that, but that's not the point of, of the discussion. Um, the point is, is that emotional lust? That, that, that's, that's my question. Is that meeting an emotional need that maybe you're not getting from your husband or that you're, if you're single, you're not, you, you know, you're not willing to wait for God to provide that for you. So you're sort of getting that met. J- just like a guy would log on the internet and look at, you know what, well, it's it's really it's emotional. It's not physical like that, but it's it's still similar and it's still lust, right? So maybe you need to make. I mean, it gets down to just making some environmental changes, some decisions about what you will put before your eyes. There's a great software as far as computer goes called X3 Watch. You can go to triplexchurch.com and download it for free. It actually it's not a filter because I hate those stinking filter things. You're like. I just wanted to look at CNN, and it won't let me. Um, you know, but um, but th- it's great. It's called X3 Watch. You download it on your computer. It monitors everything that you look at, and it sends it to an accountability partner every week. All right? I've got it on all my computers. Caroline is one of my accountability partners. Okay? Um, George and Stephen, I think, are the other two. And it, it, sends it, it sends it out. If you've got a smartphone, they have a web browser that you can load on your smartphone, disable the one on your phone, and put it on there, and it'll send everything that you look at on your phone. Okay? It's not going to keep you from looking at anything, but it's going to let those people that are holding you accountable know. All right? Number three, and this goes along with that, talk to someone about it. Because sin is like mold. It lives best in the dark. Right? When it's in the dark and it's growing and growing and ugly and nasty, you just keep it in the dark. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. And before long, it's just taken over. Get it out in the light and talk to someone about it. Okay? In conclusion, let me just throw this out there, guys. We need to stop looking at this issue as a deeper, darker sin issue than all the others. All right, we've got to stop going, well, we can talk about gossip. And everybody kind of laughs. Like, <laughs> gossip, that's a funny sin. But this one, oh, that's a bad one, right? That's a bad one. It's on par, all right? Sin is sin. He wants us to deal with it. He wants us to talk about it. We've got to stop looking at it like something that we can just sweep under the rug and, and because it's so bad. Nobody, renovation is a place you can talk about it and you will not be judged. Okay? I'll throw that out there. We need to stop feeling like we can't talk about it. The last thing, here's, here's a big thing. The last thing I want to do with this message is to challenge you to try harder. Try harder. Do better. Get that software. Talk to someone about it. Grit your teeth. Try harder. Make promises to God. God, I'll never do it again. I promise I'm going to do it. That's the last thing I want from this message. Maybe I've done that so far and I need to re, you know, we need to relook at this. I don't want you to try harder. 
Because I can tell you from experience, from experience, that trying to put these outward safeguards into place without having the heart part in the right place will fail every single time. And you'll make, uh, end up making promises over and over and over to God and going, finally, you'll, you'll check out of church, you'll check out of, I can't do it, I quit. Here's what I want to invite you to do right now. Let's skip all the middle junk and quit now. Let's quit. We can't do it. That's the point of this fig no more. We can't do it, right? So let's quit now. You need to start the battle by giving up. Give up. Hands in there, can't do it. And if you don't believe you can't do it, just, just, allow, just use me in your mind if you need to, because I tried for years and I couldn't and have only had success when I started giving up. And I started giving up. The safeguards, the accountability and the talking about it and the environmental changes and all that stuff, all that stuff has to be a complement to you already giving up in your heart and going, God, change my heart. Because that has to come first. So here's, here's a great way to... Here's a great thing that I want to offer you this morning as we, as we begin to, to come in for a landing. And we're going to come over and we are going to have communion this morning and, and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we could start the battle by giving up. If He hadn't done this, if He hadn't done this, we wouldn't have the option to give up. We'd have to try harder. It'd be our only hope. And we'd fail. But because of what He did on the cross and giving up His life and paying the penalty that was ours, and then offering us a loaded spiritual credit card <laughs> and saying, I paid for it. Will you take this free gift? By doing that, he gives us the option to give up. Here's what I want to challenge you to do, though. Because I, I, I want us to set in the DNA an openness right off the bat in this church. And there's going to be... Matter of fact, why don't you guys already come on up? The, the, prayer, the prayer folks... Um, folks that are going to pray with people, y'all come on up and take your places. And this is a great way for you to allow some folks to pray for you to admit that you can't do this on your own and that you need the Holy Spirit to give you the power over and over and over again. Now, we've in a lot of church settings, we've reduced prayer to just, well, my Aunt Susie, uh, you know, she has is sick and we need to pray for her, you know, or I'm really, you know, I really need help at work or I need help at school. God cares about all those things. I'm not saying don't pray about them. But I think we need to begin to see more power praying. And what I mean by that is us allowing people. The Bible talks about laying on hands. And there's nothing magical about that. But it's just a way that we, we lay hands on each other to go, the Spirit is inside of me. And I would just love to see that the, the Spirit's power, not my power, the Spirit's power given to you. Not, in, not, not some kind of weird, strange, worked up kind of way, but just the Spirit's power given to you to give up and let Him begin to change your heart and your mind. So what I want to invite you to do as we do come for communion in just a moment, these folks want to pray with you. And I think George would, would admit if, if there's more people that want prayer than what we've got, we've got more people that can come pray. So don't feel like, well, they're full. Just, we've got more. I'd love to see 
everyone who would say, this morning I'm going to give up. And my first step in giving up is I'm going to go to one of these folks. There's no shame here, guys. Just, Just get rid of that junk of just saying it. Okay? We all are on the battlefield together. Okay? So what I want to challenge you to do is go to these folks and allow them to pray for you. I'd love to have the problem of not having enough people to pray. We'll make that work. All right? Of allowing them to pray for you. And what we're going to do is we're just, nothing weird, nothing strange. Just pray for the Holy Spirit to give you power and to fill you to the point that you can give up. And maybe that would start a habit in your life of constantly asking the Holy Spirit to fill you so that you can give up every day and let Him do it. This table is not a renovation table. It's a whole church table, right? This wine represents the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for us. That's why we drink it. There's nothing... This is just diluted wine. It's it's nothing fancy. But we drink it and, and we do it so that we can remember that He shed His blood for us. This bread is is representative of His body that He gave up for us to pay that penalty. And so there's nothing fancy about this bread. It's just bread. But what it does is it helps us remember that He gave every single thing He had so that we could come to this table. We could come to these folks that are praying and we could say, I give up can't do it. So as you eat and drink, and as our our communion folks come, as you eat and drink, remember that. 